Hello, and welcome to the Platform Podcast, hosted by Marketplace Risks, Elle Tucker, a former journalist who writes, speaks, and consults on the sharing and gig economy. Elle is also the chair of the Marketplace Risk Advisory Board. Please note, this podcast has been prepared for informational purposes and is not legal advice by the Marketplace Risk team or the presenters. The material discussed should not be construed as legal advice or a legal opinion on any specific issue. We urge you to consult a lawyer concerning your own situation and any specific legal questions you may have. Please contact us at info at marketplacerisk.com and we can put you in touch with the appropriate professional. And now, without further ado, I will hand things over to Al. And welcome to the latest episode of the Platform Podcast. Today, I am pleased to welcome PJ Rohall, who is the co-founder of About Fraud, which is an online community for fraud prevention. I think I've described that okay, PJ. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you, Al. It's so nice to be here. And you got it. A global community for fraud fighters, but I think your description works just as well. <laughs> so tell me about it. And how did you get into this? It's fascinating. And I know just before we started the podcast, I was talking to you about a film I'd watched with my son, which is Catch Me If You Can. So fraud, um, it's particularly bank fraud, it has been just talked about in my household for the last 24 hours, fascinated by by that. And I suppose you, you know, as somebody that's immersed in this, must find it fascinating too. Yes. And I mean, I kind of fell backwards into fraud prevention, as many of us have in the industry, maybe not studying it in school or or, or even getting certifications in some cases. But I, I studied finance and business and um that was something that um, was not was not really a passion of mine. A few years out of college, I ended up coming back home, and I got an entry level job as a fraud investigator, fraud analyst with a, a company called eBay Enterprise. So I was looking at merchant uh, based fraud transactions, and and I just dove into it, kind of just because it, it, it seemed interesting. Obviously, it seemed uh, like I was doing some good, uh, good for the world, and it had a purpose. And that kind of kept me in it. In addition to that, it's just a, I found out it was a big growing industry that was not going away. The technology was very relevant. All the knowledge and skills that I was, I was getting were, were going to be in demand in years to come. So from a career perspective, I thought, well, this is, this is a good place to grow a career, but it's, it's one of those things. I don't think a lot of people know about it, whether it's fraud or fraud Mm -hmm. financial crime. Um, when you're in the industry, it's um, you, you get to know a lot of the same people, go to go to events, and you know you can kind of be in your own little bubble. But if you go outside that, talk to family, friends, um, they usually have no clue what the heck you're doing. So um, <laughs> it's it's interesting. And and then developing about fraud, uh, roughly four years ago, kind of spun out of being in the industry, wanting to learn more, wanting to get resources, and there was some good places. I was going to lots of different ones. And so Ronald and I, my, my co-founder, co-founder Ronald, said, hey, let's bring these all in one place, um, one platform, kind of an educational resource hub for, for folks who work in fraud prevention. You've talked there about the, the fraud prevention industry. How long has it actually been an industry and how has it grown and evolved alongside, you know, digitalization, et cetera? I mean, back in the day that we were talking about there, the sort of catch me if you can, or presumably that was the 1960s. Was it an industry then? Because it looked like it was just a sort of back office of the of the FBI. When did it become actually people working 
um, to, to prevent fraud? Yeah, I mean, the, the industry of, well, being a fraudster has been around forever. Mm -hmm. um, fraud prevention has also been around a decent amount of time, but it wasn't until kind of more digitization, um, you know, online commerce, mobile technology that it's kind of really boomed. So there's, uh, and I can't speak to, I, I was, I was born in the 80s. So I'm in, and before then, I'm sure there was, there was fraud prevention going on. And, you know, into, you know, pre-digital age, pre-online, uh, pre pre-commerce, um, e-commerce, there's, there's, there's still, still fraud prevention, but it just kind of exploded from, um, you know, being able to access bank accounts, um, they set up bank accounts, apply for bank accounts online, you know, purchasing e-commerce communities and marketplaces. So it's, it's just, and, and, and the types of fraud, I think there's always been, um, certain number of fraud use cases in person uh, types, but as you as you go to uh, card not present fraud, as you go to you just get lots of different types of attacks that people can do, different ways they can monetize it, and um, that's I guess what's what's changed and evolved the most over the last twenty years or so. So it's when you when you really look at it, it hasn't been that long of a time. Mm -hmm since we've seen a lot of the fraud attacks that we're battling on a daily basis. And in terms of about fraud, who are you providing um, this community for? What sort of people are, are coming to you and needing this information and this knowledge? Yeah, it's a variety of people. It's people who have um, uh, just broke into the fraud prevention industry. They're, they're an analyst or investigator or, or they're, they're in you know, really any role and they want to learn a little bit more about the technology that stops fraud, um, the different fraud use cases and, and the challenges, um, news articles, events they can attend. So, but it could also be somebody who's more experienced um, and wants to stay up to speed on everything that's changing because it does move quickly. Fraud trends are always changing. Um, the different technology that's in the market, there's tons of new new startups that are, that are always coming in and you know, how are they solving the different challenges? What are they doing? So it's for um, new, it's for experienced, and it's for people in kind of all different companies. So I mentioned banks and merchants, but there's insurance, there's telecom, there's um, different areas that, uh, a lot of different areas of fraud impacts. Um, and, the, and the last thing I'll say is it's more than just fraud. So when you get into like financial crime and AML, that's a little bit different and uh, money laundering. Um, so it, it includes that as well. So it, um, you know, fraud, uh, AML. What's um, sorry, what is AML, PJ? I'm sorry, I don't know what that is. Sure, sure. AML stands for anti-money laundering. So, um, you know, when, when fraud occurs, you need to disguise where lots of this money came from so you can eventually, uh, you know, cash out these funds. So that's where a lot of AML comes in. It's, it's right. um, fraud is often a precursor to that. And then, um, you know, they'll funnel this money through different bank accounts and, and have different ways to uh, disguise that. But the way that you protect against money laundering, um, you're going to use technology a little bit differently. It's much more regulated. Um, so those groups, those teams are, are different. Um, but the type of technology you use, um, kind of the type of community we feel is, is pretty similar. And um, it's actually there's a push to have AML and fraud teams um, uh, collaborate a little bit more and kind of learn from one another whether you know what they're doing kind of on each side of the fence because often these groups are, are separated at for say uh, a bank 
So um, we, um, if you look at our, our the, the content that we have on our site, it's there's there's plenty of fraud focused things, but we, you know we'll get into AML, we'll get into regulatory issues, and um, the idea is the, the you know this community of people are, are all trying to do a, a similar thing, which is um, kind of the noble cause of stopping fraud and financial crime, and we want to enable them um, with the knowledge and with the resources to do that. You talked there about it being a world where things move very fast. Is that because, I suppose, I'm just musing on this, that as soon as somebody works out how a particular type of fraud is is occurring and finds a solution to stop it, the fraudsters have to then change. And that must be unlike any other kind of you know, way of working, because surely, you know, when something's working, that's great. And everyone just, you know, gets on with it and is pleased that it's working. So it's quite unusual, isn't it, that something almost is pushed to innovate constantly in that way. Is that the case? Al, that is exactly the case. They will exploit the weakest link and they will find the soft spot. And when you shore up that gap, they will find a different one. And that is human nature, right? You have people committing fraud who are trying to find easy ways to monetize, make money, you know, if you put them through uh, enough, you know, uncomfortable situations or their, their information gets blocked or they realize that this is just not worth their time anymore, they'll move on to something else. It's a better business case. It's, um, you know, they can, they can make more money quickly. So that's what the challenge is with fraud tools. You have, um, you have lots of different types of technology out, but there's there's rules where they're they're a little bit more static, and you can once you once you set rules to um, uh, certain parameters, they'll find you know different thresholds and different ways to get around them. So you have to continually maintain them. One of the big things has been machine learning, which helps you uh, you know uh, adapt a bit a bit quicker. There's different types of machine learning out there. Some that is um, more effective than others, but you know, that has allowed fraud prevention to scale a little bit better, stay on top of fraud prevention and, and, and the trends that are out there. Because like you said, fraudsters are always trying to find new ways to exploit the bank, the merchant, the payment processor, um, the insurance company, and, and that's just not going to stop. So does that mean that, you know, and obviously I don't want to say anything that makes, you know, compliments the fraudsters, but does that mean that they, you know, they're, they're pretty kind of, you know, cutting edge and, and clever and, you know, trying different things. So is that is that the case? Do they have to be pretty smart to be constantly, you know, innovating, presumably? Yeah, well, I think it's like any job. You have people who don't do it very well, and it's pretty obvious some stuff they're trying to do. And then you have people who are really good at it. Yeah, just because maybe they're compromised with it from a moral perspective doesn't mean they're not intelligent and, and know what they're doing, right? So, so yeah, completely. And that's, that is the challenge. Some of these people are really smart and really good at what they're doing. And they're also able to collaborate like seamlessly with the dark web. And they, they don't have all these, these boundaries that we kind of have on the good side where, where um, they share information openly and freely and, and, you know, how they're going to attack certain people. So we are doing better. Um, I think, you know, our site where we can collaborate more is good, but it, it's we, we still need to catch up more. And that's the common buzzword in the industry. How can we collaborate better? Um, but yeah, they're smart. They're collaborating. They're sharing data. They're sharing tactics. They're sharing it not even on the dark web. They're on YouTube posting videos on how you can do things. And, you know, that frankly is, is you know, probably um, it, it shouldn't be that easy for them. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, it, it, there's, there's, um, there's clever people out there. And the last thing I'll say is, 
it's even becoming worse when it comes to like a social engineering perspective. So it's, it's bad enough if you take someone's data, you take over their account and you, you commit this, what we call third party fraud. They're the ones doing it, but they're doing things where they manipulate people from a social engineering perspective, psychology, from a psychological and emotional standpoint to, um, convince them to make payments to, to accounts that they control, which, which sounds wild, but there's, there's lots of different people out there moving really quickly and they get tricked into, you know, into doing things that they wouldn't otherwise do. There's vulnerable populations, there's elderly, there's teens, there's people who are like less tech savvy and they're, they're preying right on the, on the human and manipulating them into, um, into sending money into, into an account through, for, through a variety of different scams. So I know that's a lot. I just wanted to illustrate that they're, mm. um, they're not only, only clever, but there's just lots of different ways to mm. commit fraud these days. It's not just stealing data or, or payment information. The social engineering aspect is, is a really big problem. It's almost feels overwhelming. And I noticed that you, some of the language that you use on the about fraud website, which by the way, is about, hyphen fraud.com for listeners that want to check it out it talks about fighting and, and there is this sort of sense of you know it's battle stations but is that a battle that is ever going to be won is there a is there a kind of you know fast forward or look into a crystal ball is there ever a chance that you know through things like i don't know crypto or blockchain that there would be a world where it was impossible to defraud someone no, <laughs> next question. No, uh, it's. I mean, no. Just. I mean, back to human nature. People are always going to be trying and find ways to steal things. Yeah. And, uh, get around the law. So that's that. That'll always be there. And things like crypto actually have fraud and financial crime risks. There's, you know, if you're transferring money into a crypto account or you're funding it through your bank account, then you can kind of um, move money through cryptocurrency in a way that. Um, could be money laundering and, and we don't really know about it, but there's, there's technology then popping up to try and spot that. So that's not going to be um, a solution. If anyway, there, there's going to be opportunities for people to commit fraud and financial crime using cryptocurrency. So it's definitely not a solution. Um, so no. And, and I think the, the key is just accepting that that's, that's a, uh, and it is, it can be overwhelming, but once you um, kind of come to grips with all that, you got to start somewhere. You got to start mm-hmm. your education somewhere. Um, whether you're you're a person working in the industry or you're a company, and it's a journey. And I think that's what like it can feel overwhelming, but don't let that stop you from kind of taking that next right step. Which is um, if you're you know if you're a company, how can you understand what what are your fraud risks and what are some practical um, processes and uh, solutions you can have. It doesn't need to be the biggest, baddest machine learning solution in the world, um, you, but take steps and, and find what, what's a good fit for you. Um, so I, I think it's important for us not to get, get too overwhelmed. And, and, and that's what we want to do with About Fraud. We want to provide educational resources and have a very community-based, positive fraud fighting um, uh, kind of message because that's that's what it is it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's not gonna end it's not you know it's it's it can be relentless but if you're if you're working as part of a community if you're kind of working together on this it can it can help um it that, can help yeah. and, and, and and over time you know you won't get as as deflated and discouraged mm-hmm. and for marketplace founders because obviously that's um a lot of our audience i think they'd be interested to know how the industry of fraud prevention has evolved 
along with the proliferation of marketplaces that we've seen over sort of the last 10 years, that model growing online, how has, um, you know, how has thing, how are things changed really since that sort of peer-to-peer transaction has become much more common? Yeah. So when you go into the area of commerce, it was going into stores and seeing the person and, and paying um, with cash or even credit cards when, when they check. came along. And that was, <laughs> that was, that was the fraud that you would have. There was, um, there was a personal element to it. There's a certain level of risk and pretend, potentially apprehension of doing it if you're uh, a fraudster. Cause, and the scale is a lot smaller too. You're going in and, and stealing things, um, you know, not in bulk usually. So it's, it, it was easier to manage at that point. Clearly, um, fraudsters may have been less incentivized to do it, a little bit worried that they're going to get caught. And, you know, there's some um, uh, legal uh, ramifications from that. But as you move into a more digital e-commerce and, and mobile commerce uh, environment, a lot of that goes away from the anonymity perspective. You're, you're out there, you can do things at scale as a fraudster, and you have access to even more data to do that, whether it's credit card numbers or people's personal information to take over accounts. So it just, it scales so quickly. Um, if if they are caught there, you know, information is blocked or they go buy new data and, and do it again. And it's just, it's, um, there is there's, there's there's not that much to disincentivize them, and um, when you're talking about uh, about marketplaces, there's just there's just a lot of vulnerabilities. Um, uh, whether it's payment fraud, account takeover, uh, friendly fraud, there's there's lots of different fraud use cases. Um, where before um, there was a few, it just it just it just grows a lot. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of different fraud use cases to look out for. We talked about e-commerce briefly. I know you mentioned, I think, eBay. And, you know, obviously that's become a big thing. But obviously that's a different idea. That's, you know, the company selling the whatever it is via um, a website, different from the marketplace model. Which do you think was the kind of driver of fraud, you know, prevention service providers more out of the two, do you think that, you know, when e-commerce, because presumably e-commerce started, what is it in the 1990s? That's correct. Yes. Mm -hmm. And really the marketplace model has actually evolved more, you know, this century or this millennium really hasn't it. What do you think was a driver when it came to the service providers that you um, recommend on your platform um, or do you think that they've come about just as as technology has um, has you know improved and allowed fraudsters to to actually tap in, and they're not really bothered whether it's a marketplace or just an e-commerce site? Yeah, so I think just based off of time, like you said, e-commerce kind of came first, and the marketplace model evolved from that. So I guess I think e-commerce. Um, there's 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 fraud risk with both, but it was just along earlier, so that ended up presenting mm-hmm. fraud risk sooner. I actually wanted to, to try and fit in because we are, um, uh, you know, running out of time quite quickly here because this is so interesting. I just wanted to talk about something on your website that I'd seen about 
the, the, the global reach of your community, because this is interesting in itself. And I know that you offer, um, you know, the resource of having a list of solution providers, but that is actually global. How many people do you have from other countries and, and whereabouts in the world are they? And, and sorry, just to add, pile on another question on top of that. How, how do the issues vary in different territories around the world? Or is it now because we are, you know, this global online community, it doesn't really make that much difference? So yeah, I'll, I'll try to answer all of that, but it's, <laughs> it is a global problem, fraud, um, and there's solution providers from all regions. I think our largest presence is in the U.S. and, and Europe, um, but we're always adding new solution providers from APAC, LATAM, uh, MIA. So there's, there's uh, it, you know, the, the, the representation across the globe is important because while fraud is a common problem. It's different in the different regions you go to. There's different, there's different cultural um, cultural norms and, and the way that people kind of operate and transact. And um, so, so the solutions, um, you know, the solutions can, can can address those things in different ways. And and we also want the representation from fraud fighters to, to be global. Um, I think you know, living in the U.S. and and Ronald lives in Germany, you can get an isolated view of of, of your your neck of the woods. Um, but it's it, it's something that we as a community kind of should be represented on a global perspective, we think. So we're trying to always um, kind of resonate with, with different parts of the world, understanding that the, the there is there's different cultural things that that are that are hard to translate. But we try to be as much of a global community as possible. You are partnering with Marketplace Risk for the upcoming San Francisco event, which is brilliant and um, is in person, which is obviously the first time we've we've done such a thing for quite a while. And we all know why. Um, now, in terms of the pandemic, which hopefully soon we'll be able to actually put in the past tense, what has that meant for you and your community over this period of time? What trends have you seen and what has been the general feeling amongst the about fraud community about the way that people have obviously, you know, been at scale adopting technology for things that they might not have done before? How has that affected the fraud prevention community? Yeah, so it's probably amplified investment in identity risk-related solutions, ones that are solving things like application fraud. And um, you can see in the in the U.S. Um, and, you know, all over the world, but there's, you know, unemployment fraud and there's lots of different identity-based fraud concerns out there. So investment in solutions like those. But it's, um, it's not just those. I think fraud with the pandemic kind of rose along with it. Uh, and not to be fear-mongering, it's just kind of a uh, a natural uh, byproduct of fear and uncertainty, and then you have more social engineering and, and people scamming people. So there's there's all kinds of different fraud. So I, I think the the investment is is probably increasing, but at the same time, the businesses that were going through the pandemic needed to probably um, come to grips during it with with what they could spend their resources on. So I think um, as we hopefully see this. Um, getting better. And I know right now it's, it, it doesn't quite feel like that, but as, as, as we hope that it gets better, I think, um, it'll, it'll be an alarm bell for, for, for some companies that say, Hey, we need better identity controls. We need better, um, 
uh, controls to prote potentially protect our customers from things like social engineering and scams. Um, so overall, prob probably a, probably more of an investment, but it's it, it's a tricky time because all businesses are kind of trying depending on, on what you're doing and and they might not have the, the funds to to invest mm. uh, a ton at this specific moment yeah and just as a as a sort of final thought and maybe a takeaway for some of our marketplace startup founders you know where on a founders to-do list at the very beginning maybe of a launch you know what priority wise where does fraud prevention sit I mean it might be something that people maybe feel that they don't have the budget for but is it something that it needs to be considered right from the get-go yes I would say the biggest mistake I've seen is people who just put it on the back burner and think it as you know we'll figure that out down the road um, I'm not saying you have to uh, prioritize it it's the only thing you focus on but you have to prioritize it in a point where you understand you broadly what your risk exposure is. You've talked to some people, you've done some research, potentially have employed people who who know this. So you can more appropriately build out a roadmap of how you want to tackle it. it again, it doesn't need to be a we we go all in right away and we have the biggest, baddest fraud solution ever, but you do need to have a roadmap and a journey of, of what this is going to look like and a general understanding of what your risk exposure is. If you don't, then you'll be, you'll be um, founding a company and launching a product or a service that is, you, it's, it's going to come back to bite you with, with, with the risk, with the risk exposure out there. Cause especially if you don't know much about this, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's going to be a steep learning curve mm -hmm. over a short period of time. So give give yourself enough runway to, to learn this, to bring in the right people, to hire the right people, to consult with the right people. And then it won't be as overwhelming. It's still not fun, you know, understanding the risk aspect of it, but you'll feel much, much more comfortable if you take that approach. That's brilliant. And that's so useful. And thank you so much. And thank you for being part of the, the Marketplace Risk Management Conference, which is obviously coming up. And we really appreciate this partnership because I know a lot of our audience will be interested in what you're doing at About Fraud. So it's about-fraud.com. And we um, are really looking forward to, to partnering with you and hopefully hearing from you and Ronald again very soon on one of our sessions. Thanks so much, Al. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for tuning into the Platform Podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media at Marketplace Risk. Tune in next week for another podcast.